Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we thank you once again for the privilege of being able to assemble together. We ask that you would bless the study of your word. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, Jason, little Jason Montoro, not Jason Emily. Let's see if we can make it through the service tonight. All right, John chapter 15. As we do our Bible study tonight, Jesus was on his way to Gethsemane. And as he was, John chapter 14, 15, excuse me, and 16. And uh, Brother Zach, uh, I, I don't know what it sounds like out here, but if you could just turn me down a little bit. I'm really holding back and I just feel like... I can't speak. That's better. Thank you. John chapter 15. And uh, Jesus is painting a word picture here. In John chapter 15, 1 through 8. It's a passage we are familiar with. But uh, one that we need to be reminded of. One that it does not hurt for us just to go through. And uh, uh, read again these words. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So what we have here is Jesus is trying to help the disciples in these last few moments before he will pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then uh, the proceedings of the evening uh, 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 before uh, leading up to the crucifixion will begin. And so Jesus is packing a a, tremendous amount of information in these few verses here, and he is giving us a word picture. Now let's just look at the picture for a moment. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband man. Now, uh, most of you, if you've walked around Astoria very much, have seen the grapevines in the uh, eaves, and sometimes they'll put up lattice works and and, uh, all of that. Uh, I remember whenever I read this passage, I... Uh, Think of my grandmother's house where I'm going Monday. Uh, She had an entire uh, little vineyard right there on a corner of the property. And she was 
all the time uh, making grape jelly and other things. And, and of course, once Grandma went, the grapevine didn't die, but the birds ate all the grapes. And, and there never was any produce from that vine after Grandma stopped taking care of it. And uh, I also remember going out into the woods behind her house, and we would find the wild grapevines. Now, the difference between a real vine and a wild vine is a real grapevine will probably be about that thicker, that big around, maybe a little bigger than your thumb, and it'll have big grapes. Now, a wild grapevine could be that big around and has little tiny grapes about the size of your pinky fingernail. And the reason is if you don't take care of the vine, all of the energy and all of the life of the vine will be used to make the vine big and thick, and then it has nothing left to produce. And that's why Jesus says, I am the true vine. There's an awful lot of fake vines out there, wild vines, vines that no one tends to. And the reason and the way you can know the difference is in how they're taken care of. What they produce. A grapevine will only produce good grapes if it's well tended. That's why Jesus said, I am the true vine. Now, how many of you have ever seen a wild apple tree just growing out in the middle of the forest somewhere? You know what happens? Most of the time, a wild apple tree will produce just as good apples as one that is kept in a uh, uh, kept in an orchard, other than maybe they'll get some more bees and bugs into the fruit and different things like that. But grapevines aren't that way. They have to be tended. That's why the next words, Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the husband man. Now, of course, your King James Bible is not trying to clarify the point here that the husband ought to be a man. Uh, that's done so in many other passages of the scriptures. Amen. Uh, but the simple truth of the matter is, that is the old English word for the farmer. He was married to the land. That was his life. That's what everything was about. If, uh, you know, how, how many remember some of Brother Clayton's farm stories when he was here? And Brother Marshall's stories growing up on a little farm. And I didn't grow up on a farm. Uh, my dad tried his best to make sure we thought we'd grown up on a farm. I mean, we had some gardens that had to be kept. And if there's one thing that I wish I could have done for my children was just to give them a little taste of that work uh, that I had to do as a boy, uh, taking care of those gardens and shoveling the dirt and pulling the weeds and getting rid of the bugaboos and keeping the turtles out and all those wonderful things. But it takes a lot of work. A farmer spends his whole year trying to bring in the crop. 
You say, well, what does he do in the wintertime? Well, a real farmer in the wintertime is fixing his equipment, is mending the buildings, is preparing things so that when spring gets here, he is ready to go. And what we have is a picture of a true vine, a good vine, which is the Lord Jesus and someone whose only desire is to take care of that vine and make sure that it does what it's supposed to do. Amen? Now, I know that's not a revelation to anybody, but I want you, I wish you could get the picture tonight that God the Father, as the husbandman, if he is the farmer, the good farmer, of course, he is the best caretaker, farmer that there could possibly be, his number one purpose, according to this passage, is to see that divine produces fruit. You see, we often think of God as being up in heaven and there's all kinds of computer screens all around him and all kinds of information coming in. That's not the God of the Bible. He already knows everything. He does not have angels coming in and out telling him what's going on. He already knows. He is the creator of the universe. We read in the book of Colossians, if you're keeping up on your Bible reading, that by Him all things consist. Scientists can figure out all kinds of things, but they still have no clue as to why an atom stays together. Now, we can bust them apart, but the Bible already tells us that. In fact... Even the godless scientists are looking for the Higgs botham, whatever that is. Uh, they call it the God element. It's what makes everything stick together. And, of course, we know what that is. It is the person and the presence of God. Now, don't go out and worship trees. Though God's power and presence is working... That's not where he is. He is taking care of the vine. You are, I am, priority one with God. That's what this is talking. That's the picture that is being painted here. Now, let's be careful that we don't go to the extreme of the modern theology That God's number one purpose is to make you feel good. That's not God's number one purpose. His number one purpose is that the vine will produce fruit. And we get this picture of the perfect, pure, true vine, the only true vine. We have the perfect and greatest and most caring and watchful Uh, caretaker, husband man, whose only goal is to take care of the vine and the vineyard to produce the fruit that it is. Now, where do we fit into the picture here? Look at verse 5. I am the vine. Ye are the what? 
I am the vine, ye are the branches. That's where we fit in. Now let me ask you a question. Does the vine itself, the vine stem, produce the fruit? No. The grapes don't grow on the vine stem itself. The vine has these little branches, little offshoots out of the vine. That's where the fruit is produced. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the privilege of producing the fruit. Right? Has anybody here in science class, do you, did anybody here ever dissect a grapevine? Or maybe when you're chopping them up. Uh, when we were little kids, my dad would take us out in the woods for the wild vines. And we would cut the vine off about 20, so, 20 inches or so off the ground. And that would take a while. Because the first question my dad, who brought their pocket knife? Oh, I got mine. It hadn't been sharpened in three years. And we'd get out there and start working. And then my dad would remind us, you're supposed to keep it sharp. If you don't, you're going to have to cut this vine. And until this vine's cut, we're not having any fun. And man, the sweat be pouring and they'd just be grinding that dull blade down into there. I mean, that vine, you know, sometimes that big around, it would take a while. Then we would swing back and forth. But the neat thing about the vine was when you got it all the way down to the center, there's a little hole in there. Does anybody know what the hole was for? Bringing the water and the nutrients from the roots up to the branches. Now, that branch did not just grow as an appendage on the outside of the vine. Do you know where the branch starts? Way down in the center. That little hole that runs up through the middle connects to a smaller hole in each branch. Sometimes you can't even see the hole in the branch. But it's there because if you chop it off in the springtime, what comes out that little hole at the end of the branch? The sap that comes up through the vine. It's connected. This is the picture of our relationship with Christ. You're not just hanging off the side of the Savior. You're not just a mere appendage. It goes all the way down to the heart. Jesus has us well connected. You see, the branch itself, a few minutes ago, I said God has given us the privilege of producing the fruit. But the branch doesn't do much. It's the vine that does all the work. It's just the branch that shows up and supports the blossoms and the things that bring the grapes and then and the leaves and all of the parts of the vine that make it produce 
fruit. All of that happens on the branches. This is the picture that Jesus was painting. And if we'll take a few moments... I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but sometimes you just sit there and you get a little dull in your Christianity. Does that ever happen? You get a little, not necessarily weary and well-doing. You know what you're supposed to be doing, but you lose a little joy sometimes. You lose a little understanding of why you're putting up with what you're putting up with. Anybody ever been there? Okay, start thinking about the vine. I'm not just hanging out here by myself. I'm connected. I'm connected for a purpose. That purpose is to bear fruit. That purpose is to do the will of the Father. But I'm hooked in all the way down. I'm not going anywhere. Because I'm connected to the vine. And sometimes it just feels like nothing is happening the way it ought to happen. That's not the branch's job. That's the vine's job. You're not just stuck in limbo, my friend. If you're connected to the vine. Amen? That's the picture. Now, let's look at our position, if we will. If you like alliteration, I did it tonight, all right? You have the picture. Now, we talk about our position based upon the picture and the things that it teaches us. It's interesting what some people do. Let's just uh, read uh, verses 1 and 2 and 3. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me... That beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Here's your first position. You're under the scrutiny of the Father. Now, you're not under the scrutiny of the Father for the simple fact that he wants to pick apart and be critical and tell you everything that's wrong with you. You're under the scrutiny of the Father because he is caring for the vine. Amen? And if you're not bearing fruit, it gets cut off. If you are bearing fruit, you still get purged. You ever wonder why it's so tough? Sometimes the Lord just makes life miserable. It's not because he hates you. It's because he's trying to strengthen you so you can get more accomplished in the overall goodness What will happen to some branches of a vine, if you're not careful, is they will begin to grow thicker and thicker until they will take from the vine that which the vine needs to support other branches. And so the husbandman who truly cares for that vine is going to come over there and lop that thing off so that the branch will grow properly and produce fruit. So, then verse 3 is one that astounds the commentators. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 
And they go, now why does that belong in there? That seems like just an imposition of verses. It kind of loses the flow of everything that's going on, right? No. It's in there on purpose. God has a reason. Are you clean because you do good works and keep yourself clean? No. You're clean because your faith is in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we as Bible-believing Christians, we understand that our salvation is eternal and it is because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. But we live our lives as if our salvation depended upon our works and we wonder why we get tired out and weary and frustrated with life and discouraged is because we are trying to do the job that belongs to the vine. Are we still together? It's important to get a hold of this point. You're not clean because you're so good. You're clean because Jesus forgave you for your sins. Now, let's not go to the other extreme. Well, if Jesus forgave me for all my sins, let's go enjoy life a little bit because he'll forgive me. Wrong. God forbid, the Bible tells us. But this whole thing of abiding in Christ, you know what? When we mess up, When we make a mistake, when we get out of sorts with ourselves, with the Lord, with other people, what is the first thing that we want to do? Stop going to church. All those people, they look at me funny. Nobody's looking at you funny. In fact, we had somebody, I can't remember who it was, and if you remember who this was, don't tell anybody. But they hadn't been in church in like three or four months. And it wasn't because they were sick. It was because they had made some wrong choices. And all of a sudden they decided to show up. And you know what? People almost got in line. I'm glad to see you back. I'm so happy. And later that person told me, but he acted like I hadn't been to church in three months. I wanted to go, well, actually it's been a little longer than that. But... We're glad you're back, you know. And they got embarrassed. They got upset because somebody was glad they came back. Does that make any sense to you? You see, that's what happens when you don't let the vine keep you clean. That's what happens when you're not abiding in the vine. Amen? You see, you are clean. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. When you get saved, how many sins does Jesus forgive you for? All of them. The ones you did before you were saved and the ones you're going to do after you were saved. Now, you are clean through the word 
which I have spoken unto you, abide in me. You don't abide in Jesus because of your good works. You don't abide in Jesus because of what you do or what you accomplish. You abide in Jesus because you're part of the vine. Amen? You abide in Jesus because you grew that way. He grafted you in. You're stuck. But that's a great place to be stuck. Amen? Somebody said, well, what if I don't want Jesus after I've accepted him? I said, you can't accept Jesus that way. That kind of acceptance is not, pardon the pun, acceptable unto God. You must take Jesus all the way. And he will take you all the way from here to heaven. Amen. He's grown you into himself. He cannot lose you because you're now part of him. And he is part of it. No, you're not deity. But he is going to loan you the Holy Spirit till we get to heaven. Amen. And so we say, abide, he goes on here, your position, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. How many of you have ever heard one of those television preachers? The reason you don't have brand new Cadillac because you didn't ask for one. Now, wait a minute. That's not the way God works. That's not what this verse is talking about here. If you are a branch abiding in the vine, what happens to your will? Does the branch sit here and go, I don't like my position. I'm a little too close to the ground. I want to be up there higher where I can get more sun. I'm one of those California people at heart. I've just got to have lots and lots of sun. No, it doesn't work that way. You're stuck where he puts you in. Even if it is New York City and gets cold in the wintertime. Amen? You're supposed to be where he puts you. What happens to your will? It gets surrendered. It's supposed to die every day. How many of you tried to kill that thing? It's worse than a horror movie. You can kill it every day, but it comes back. I don't care how many coffins you put it in. It opens up that coffin and it gets out. And you say, I'm going uh, I'm to follow the vampire movies and drive a stake through its heart. And well, You can waste your time playing with the devil if you want. That's what that stuff is. You're supposed to abide in him. And his will 
will begin to override you because it is his life that is flowing through you as the life of the vine throws, flows through the branch and produces the fruit. This is the position that we are supposed to be in. And what does that position mean? That I'll start praying for the things that God wants me to pray for. And he will answer prayers. Isn't that cool? Isn't that wonderful? That the God of heaven took enough time to put into your mind and heart things that he wants to do to have you pray about them so he can answer your prayers and give you joy in knowing that he cares about you. But his will is what is getting done, not yours. Amen? That is the position. And guess what? There's one more step. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, I'm sorry, verse 7, herein is my Father glorified. Bringing glory to the Father. Now I'll tell you, I wish that you could take the desire that is in the heart of a little child and put it into the heart of that same child when he's a teenager. Amen? I mean, I I went shopping for our family today, and of course, that's quite an ordeal. Uh, Lots and lots of boxes and cans and all kinds of stuff and and uh, uh, bring it in and and set it down and guess who wants to help carry it upstairs Jason he's standing there at the door as I pull up and comes down the steps in his bare feet I mean he's got desire let me tell you and you say get back inside I don't want to help you I'm going to carry it in. You know, I don't know what he's all saying, but I mean, he, you know, he grabbed a big old box of saltines and I said, well, take it upstairs. And he goes, who have him puts it down. Okay, here, take up the half and half. Uh, that, you can carry that. And, uh, and finally get everything upstairs. And now he's finally got his coat and his socks and his shoes on. And he is ready to go to town. And I tell him it's all done. Mm, I'm going to help. I mean, just wish you could get that desire. Because when I talk to the older ones, Stephen's like, oh, I'm glad I'm at work. I won't be around when all them heavy boxes got to be carried up the stairs. And the older girls are going, well, the little ones are going to carry it all up and we'll help put it away. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. We all got to work and get it up there. We got to work together here. But here's the point. We think and we often like to do things that we can't do. 
He wants to put us in a position where we can actually bring glory to the Father that is acceptable to the Father. I don't know about you, but I want to be there. I know I'm not there near as much as I need to be because I get in the way. I want to bring glory to God the Father that is acceptable. Read the book of Revelation. Read Revelation chapters 4 and 5. That's what heaven is all about, is bringing glory to the Father that is acceptable to Him. Not all glory is acceptable to the Father. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He's going to try it. And much of it is going to be burned up because it's not Acceptable glory. Jesus says, you're clean. You're under the scrutiny of the Father. You're to abide in me and I in you. That's going to bring you to a place where you're going to ask what you will because it's no longer what you will, it's what I will. And I'm going to answer that prayer You read on farther in the chapter that your joy may be full. And I'm going to put you in a place where you can bring glory to the Father. That is your position. What a wonderful place to be. Amen. By the way, if you're not in the picture, you got to be saved to be in the picture. Amen. If you're not in the proper position... There's not going to be any production. The non-bearing branches are taken away. You know, sometimes God will take a Christian who is not serving him the way that he or she is supposed to be, and he'll get out the pruners and just lop that branch off completely. Do they lose their salvation? Absolutely not. But they do lose their position. They're done. It says that he purges the vine, the branches that are bearing fruit, so that they'll be able to bring forth more fruit. Sometimes God puts you in a place and turns the pressure up on purpose because he needs to change you so that you can serve him. You're not where you're supposed to be. The source is God. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever tried to make a deal with God? Dear Lord, you know I need. Fill in the blank. I'll do whatever it takes, Lord, for you to give me this. Let me tell you, you've already stepped out of line. God's no longer hearing you. You're in a dangerous position when you go to God with a preconceived idea of what God's goodness should look like. He is the husbandman. He will care for the vine in the way that it can produce. 
And we, we live in a world where it just appears that the church is losing every battle with society. Think you ever thought that way? I mean, things are just waxing worse and worse. They've voted in sodomite marriage in several states, including our state here. Uh, um, it just seems that uh, the government is making it more and more difficult to get less and less done. You ever feel that way? Because that's what's going on around you. Um, It's not God. God is not primarily concerned with fixing society. Read your Bible. He is concerned with individual servants of Jesus Christ serving him through his church. That's what he's concerned about. In the Roman Empire, that's where Jesus chose to give birth to his church. That not correct? The city of Jerusalem, part of the Pax Romana, if you're a historian, the 200-year period of relative peace. Uh, uh, of course, nobody considers all the people that died during that 200 years of peace, but... Uh, it was really, truly one of the most peaceful times in history. As long as you didn't oppose the Roman Empire. That was pretty cool. If you did, it wasn't very peaceful for you. The church was persecuted greatly, was it not? But 250 or so years after... Jesus started his church. The Roman Empire joined the church of Jesus Christ. And of course, once it did, it was no longer the church. That was the seed of the false church. If you can't beat them, join them. That's the devil's attitude from day one. Listen, we're not here to rewrite society. That's why we don't get a uh, one of those survey pads and say, what do you expect from church? There's actually a fellow that wrote a whole book explaining to pastors how to start a church by going into the community and polling the people in the community and giving them a church that reflects the desires of the community. It's called the purpose-driven church. You see, the purpose-driven church has the wrong purpose. Jesus is supposed to determine what goes on in his church. That's why we don't agree with what's going on out there. Somebody says, well, you're going to offend people and drive them away. We don't have them now. And if they come in here, they can't act like they do out there. Because if they're abiding in the vine, they're getting their life from a different source. It's going to change things. It'll change the music you listen to. 
It'll change the clothes you wear. It'll change the desires that are in your heart. The things that you used to embrace, you will now fight against. The things that you fight against, you will now embrace. You know, I'm going to be one of those fanatics that comes to church three times, three, three times a week. No, no, no. We want you here at least four, sometimes five and six. Amen. When we had our uh, 20th anniversary, we wanted you here every day. Amen. But it only lasted a week. You're going to be 20 years older the next time we do that, right? Listen. If we're going to produce, it's got to be because of the vine under the care of the husbandman. What do you get to do? Show up. That's how you abide in him. When you sin, where do you go? Uh, you're connected to the vine. How about starting there? Amen? Uh, when you get out of sorts, uh, let's go back to the vine. Let's abide in Him. Let's show up. Let's be there. How many of you have problems keeping up with this thing? Hello? Has anybody had problems? I guess everybody doing better than the pastor is this year, right? No. You've all had to struggle trying to keep up with this. Somebody said, you ought to get an easier Bible reading schedule. No. It really ought to be about five times this. Pastor, that would control my life. Yeah. <laughs> That's the idea. That's what it's all about. Is abiding in the vine. Being under the care of the husbandman. So that you can produce the fruit that is directed by the Father through the work of the Son. And then you'll be asking Him for things that He wants you to ask Him for. And He will answer your prayers. And it won't be, thank you Jesus for giving me what I want. It'll be, thank you God for using me as you want. For without me, he can do nothing. If you'll take it, that's about as big a dose of holiday cheer that a person could possibly handle. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your cleansing. We thank you for the life that you Give to us as a branch that is grafted into your very soul. Oh Lord, how often do we fail? But we come before you tonight.
ask for grace to simply abide in you, that you would use us to produce fruit. And Lord, that we would willingly submit to the purging that is necessary, that we may produce more fruit. Lord, we ask that you would give us your joy and your strength and your life to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment. God's spoken to you about something in your life. would just ask you to slip out of your seat and spend a little time down here at an old-fashioned altar to talk to the Lord about those things. We don't...